Wow, so I'm preaching to the Buckeyes today. Buckeye fans? Praise Jesus. The saved are sitting right around. Boo. Can't boo the Buckeyes. You kidding me? And by... Badgers, okay, we'll give you... At least, at least it's better than Michigan, who Dave cheers for. So, And I'm not sure about this whole Brad Olson thing. I mean, I don't think that maybe Kristen was like uh, embarrassed to tell Brad that she was a groupie. I think she's just like, that's not even the same Brad Olson that I used to know. That, that is not the same. <laughs> I had to do it. And I want to know this. Why do I keep getting these crazy messages? They're like, we need to talk about money. Let's make Charles do it. Hey, we need to talk about spiritual disciplines. Let's let Charles do it. Hey, we need to talk about diet, rest, and exercise. Oh, we know who to call. I mean, you would really rather come to church, get poked in the eye with a needle, and hear about tithing for 60 minutes than you would about diet, rest, and exercise, right? Exactly. I don't know how I keep getting stuck with these things. But we are talking about completely healthy. We're talking about this thing, about the complete life, okay? We've talked about marriage and parenting and finances and generosity and contentment and stewardship. And I just want to tell you something right off the bat. I was really excited actually to get this, this topic because this top outside of Jesus Christ and what he's done to change my life, this little thing right here has done more for my life than anything. And you can ask some of the folks that are friends of mine that have come out here. This whole idea of our body being completely used for God has radically changed my life. You'll hear about that. Got to kind of save my personal story a little for the end. But look at this, 2 Peter 1.3. This is what it says. His divine power has given us what? Everything we need for What? The Bible says that God, through his power, has given us everything we need for life. Everything. Not just spiritually, not just materialistically, but everything we need for life and godliness. Life, that physical part, and godliness, the spiritual part. Through our knowledge of him... If you want to know how to have everything you need in life, it's through a knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and his own goodness. Look at this in Psalm 127. I love this too. This is really the ethos of the message. This is really the building block. I don't want you to miss these things. Um, Because this isn't just some pop culture topic we're talking about. Watch what it says. Unless the who builds a house, you're doing it in vain. Again, it says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. You like that? How often do we do that? How often do our lives revolve around ourselves and our anxieties and our worries and our cares and our bank accounts and our, you fill in the blank. So it's in vain, you rise up early, you go to bed late, you're anxious. Because you see, if you're one of Jesus, 
if you're one of his, you're going to rest. Not just physically, but you're going to spiritually rest in him. This is what we live for. This is the complete life. Jesus said this. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the what? Fullest. Everything you need. I'm going to sing about that afterwards. Can't wait. It says, you, we have all we need is you. I was hearing him sing that earlier. I thought, man, that's so on the money. So, you know, we talked about these things, marriage, parenting, finances, stewardship. Today, we're going to continue this theme of stewardship. But stewardship is so much more important than your finances. It's about the greatest single thing that you've been given stewardship over. And that's your body. That's your physical. Did you know that? The most, the, the, the greatest thing that's been given to you personally is your body. And we're called to be stewards of our body. Let's talk about this for a minute. I'm not going to go into, man, this message should be about six different parts. So I'm just going to bust through this and just, you know, kind of barf it out at you, okay? That's gro- that was gross what I just said. 64% of Americans are overweight or obese. Think about that. That's huge. As a matter of fact, believe it or not, I am overweight, according to the guidelines. I know it doesn't make a ton of sense. I do have some stuff going on down here in the trunk. But uh, when I look at the doctor's charts, I'm, I'm probably five, six pounds overweight. Because our, our bodies aren't, they're not made to be this way. Need to be, anyway. Uh, yeah, I was talking to this guy last week, real good guy. Good guy, about as tall as he was wide. I was preaching at a church in uh, uh, Arkansas last weekend. And this dude comes up and he's like, man, I told, God told me this. God said, you're in perfect shape. Because round is a perfect shape. So I was like, wow, where should you come up with that at? <laughs> um, if you... Good, that's good theology. Um, obesity is the second leading killer next to only smoking. Um, Americans don't exercise. We don't do the things we're supposed to be doing. Um, how about this? We're going to talk a little bit about sleep too. 60 million people at least have had or will have a sleeping disorder. Um, God gives us rest and he gives us everything we need for life and godliness and he tells us to steward the greatest resource that he's given to us physically now spiritually the greatest resource that we're to steward is the great commission but physically it's our bodies so you might say does god really care about my health or my heart what does he care more about i just want to step out on a limb and say i think he cares about both i think he cares about both our health and our bodies our health and our hearts and I'm going to try to lay out a case for that from Scripture this morning. Um, you might have heard this first, but let's tear it apart. I, I mean, you're like, okay, sh- show me, show me. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you guys know this, write this down. If you don't have something to write on, grab something, use your hand, whatever. It says this, and, and this, this question is asked rhetorically. Paul's like, don't you know that your body is a what? It's a What? It's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who is in you, who you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, honor. 
What's it say? Therefore, honor God with your body. That's power-packed right there. Now, this passage, let me put it in context. You can't always just yank stuff out of Scripture and just go, this is what we're to do. Um, Paul's talking to the Corinthians here. They were having some, you know, some sleeping disorders were that they were waking up in the wrong bed far too often. Those were the sleeping disorders that they were having. Um, It was a mess in Corinth. It was a mess. You know a little bit about the history, temple prostitution, just all kinds of things going on that were just a mess. And God, there's things you do um, with your body is what he's taught. The sex thing, what you do with your body, that's to honor and glorify God. And there's things you, you're, you're to do to your body. That's what we're talking about today. But this passage, what it is referring to our body as the temple. It is. But this context is talking sexually. And we could just stop there for a second and say, man, if you go home and read 1 Corinthians 6 and read the rest of it. It says, you know what? You destroy your body. When you're having sex with people you're not supposed to be having sex with. Because when you join together, it says with another, the two become one. And when you're ripped apart, that doesn't work. Doesn't, it, it doesn't function. I, I didn't look before I leaped at Brighton the other week, you know? Just flying through the air. Woo! That, it's like a theme with the pastors right now, crashing during ski. I'm not sure what's going on. And I ripped all the ligaments, just, just ripped them. And it's amazing how much you need your left thumb for. It's amazing. I can't tie my shoe. I can't button my pants. I can't do normal everyday things. Have surgery on it on Tuesday. And what they're going to do is they're going to join the ligament, take a little screw, put the ligament back on the bone. Isn't that great? Can't wait. Um, you can't rip stuff apart that was made to be one. Now, the message isn't about sex, but we have to give a nod to this. There are things you do to your body outside of health that you shouldn't be doing to your body that affect you not only physically, but spiritually. But this passage here says your body is a temple and God wants you to honor him with your temple. Now, let's tear apart this word honor. Okay, this word, if you dig it apart, Bible was written in Greek. It's a Greek word. And this word honor, if you really extrapolate, it means to praise. This is, this is crazy. Look at how deep this word is. To praise, to extol, to magnify, to celebrate, to make glorious, to adorn with luster, to clothe with splendor, to impart glory to something, to render it excellent. That's what honor means. You're to praise God with your body. You're to extol him. You're to magnify him. You're to clothe him with splendor with your bodies crazy and so that's the first thing i want you to understand this morning write this down if you're taking notes first thing is this your body is a temple that was creative wasn't it did you like that first one your body is a temple now it's it's a little different out here there's a few temples out here a little different than ohio i thought the only temple was like you know back in the middle east but there's several temples out here you need to know about the temple. We're not talking about those kind of temples. But, you know, in, in, in the LDS faith, they treat their temples in, in kind of a way that would be honor and sanctified and set apart and holy. Okay? In the Old Testament, 
the temple was that place that was God's dwelling place. If you wanted to meet with God in the Old Testament, you had to go somewhere to do it. You had to go into the temple and the priest could only actually enter the presence of God one time a year in the Holy of Holies. It was a place of worship. It was magnificent. It was built only with the best and finest of materials. When you brought sacrifices, they had to be perfect, spotless, without blemish, without defect, without fault. It had to be the best. Blood had to be shed for that. The temple was honored, it was respected, it was sacred, it was holy. But you had to come there to meet with God. When God says, your body's a temple, he says, I want you to build your body with the best things that you can build your body with. That's what it says. And I'm preaching to myself here, by the way, this morning. Um, I love, though, the fact that we don't have to go to a space to meet Jesus anymore, aren't you? Because you see, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, the greatest thing about the temple is there's this large veil, huge, thick, monstrous veil that kept the presence of God away from the people. And when Christ died on the cross and he said, it is finished, and he breathed up his last, that temple curtain was torn in two so that you could now have access to Jesus Christ 24-7, you no longer need to go anywhere to meet Jesus. You no longer need to go to a temple. It says that your body's a temple of God. The Holy Spirit, it's in you. You are a walking temple. You are a walking church. You are a walking powerhouse of the Holy Spirit. You have that power. His divine power has given you everything you need and it's right inside of you. What are we doing? How are we treating that body? What are we doing? So, how's it going? You know, I I think it's probably human nature to be comfortable. How many of you all like to be comfortable? Raise your hand. How many of you like to protect your bodies? Raise your hand. But I'm, I'm just, I stopped and thought about that and I thought, I don't know. We like to be comfortable and we say that we protect our bodies, but do we really? Oh, we protect it from imminent harm and danger. Like my friend, I got a friend, and he was all over me on Facebook for this. See, he's a chiropractor, so he uses his hand. He would never go skiing with me in Ohio. We've got these little tiny hills in Ohio. We can actually ski there. They're really little, and literally it takes you about 16 seconds to get from the top to the bottom. It's a thrill. It's amazing. I thought it was great until I came out here. That's all I have to say. It's all we had. So he's always all over. He's like, see, that's why I don't go skiing. And I'm like, but you know what my argument for years is? He rides a motorcycle. I don't get it. I just don't. You know, so, so in his effort to protect his body, he doesn't ski, but he rides a motorcycle. Makes no sense. I started thinking about this. You know, we say we protect our bodies, but do we? Do we really protect our bodies? I think if we really protected our bodies, we'd do a lot of things different. Uh, Most of you know I used to be a a cop in the inner city of Columbus, Ohio, before God called me into full-time ministry, because we're all in full-time ministry, correct? Right? 
We're, we're all in ministry. Um, it's just now that it's kind of my job. I hate to say that, but that's just what God did for me. We're all in ministry. We're all called to reach out. Driving down the interstate one. Interstate 71 is like I-15. It runs north and south all the way through Ohio. We get a call one night of a guy that's suicidal. And uh, he has stopped at the BP at I-71 and Hudson Avenue, just in the north part of town. And he calls the news, and he's like, all right, um, getting ready to drive the wrong way on the freeway. And the first semi I see, I'm going to end my life. And I want the news choppers and everybody to, to know, to, to witness this. So why don't you scramble those and get them here? Well, so the, the news people call us, and, and we're in contact. And believe it or not, I was driving, we were in the paddy wagon. Okay, we were driving this big old van. That's, you know, smelled like puke and mace, and it was just awful. It, not the best thing to be chasing people in. And so we're driving this paddy wagon, this guy, and get the call, and we're like, where is this guy? And of all things, we were right around the corner. And we get there in time to see this guy go speeding out of the BP, going down the road, and then we saw what we just, I mean, we knew what he said he was going to do, but then he did it. And he gets, he goes on the off-ramp. I'm sorry, yeah, the off-ramp. He gets on the off-ramp and starts heading down the wrong way of the freeway. Okay, now this is no slow, tiny freeway. We know how to drive in Ohio. We know how to, we know how to drive there. And they get on it there. And so they're flying northbound, all this, this guy's driving southbound. And honestly, I had been in a lot of life-threatening situations when I was a police officer. This was the one and only time, really, the one and only time I went, I don't think I'm going to make it out of this. And so while everybody else, you know, as police officers, when everybody else runs from danger, we run to it. So here we are chasing him at 70, 75 miles an hour in a freaking paddy wagon the wrong way down the freeway. That, that makes zero sense, does it? None. No sense. Uh, long story short, I won't get into the long story because the point isn't what happened, but it, by God's providence and grace, this is five o'clock in the afternoon, guy couldn't find one semi. There was not one semi, so he drove and drove and drove. He finally decided to dump it in front of a, a Cadillac that was coming. He went across all three lanes of traffic, missed everybody. Cadillac did end up hitting a cruiser brand new cruiser and everybody was fine everybody was okay by the providence of god he got caught down the road was taken i mean this is this is just how god works it is human nature to want to protect our bodies but a lot of us go okay we want to protect our bodies but we're driving the wrong way we want to protect it from you're like i would never do that well yeah you wouldn't put yourself in that kind of imminent harm but the little things we do day in and day out to our temple are really killing us and for the most part we kill our bodies because we want them to be comfortable. We want to do what's comfortable for us and not always what's right for us. Because it's not easy to do that. So let's talk about a couple of these things. Let's talk about this. And I, I was so happy to hear that, you know, Chris and Greg, they're like, they're, you saw the pictures. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And who would have thought a message like this would honor that kind of memory? So let's talk about a couple of these things. Look up here on the screen, 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in what? Is good health important? I think we've laid out this case. Your body's a temple. 
John's saying, I want you to be in good health as it goes well with your soul. I want your soul to be well. I want your health to be well. Punchline's coming later. Just keep building with me. Do you know this, that the average male spends almost nine years of his life in ill health? Nine years. Now, we're, we're pretty young in here. And it might be hard for us to understand that. But you will spend nine years of your life in ill health. health. Women, 11 years. 11 years in ill health. Look at this. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. There's a couple areas that I want to unpack just quickly. We could talk all day on each of these. We could do an entire message on these. The Bible talks a lot about sleep and diet and exercise. That's what we're supposed to talk about. Um, you can have... Let's talk about sleep for a second. I, I, I told you at the beginning that this whole thing that we're talking about today radically changed my life. And again, I'll tell you why at the end. I'm just going to keep teasing you with that, okay? Uh, but this first thing about sleep, do you know you can have a poor diet, you can never exercise, and that won't kill you as fast as sleep deprivation will? Did you know this? By the way, I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on TV. Okay, so I'm just... Um, listen to this. This, this should, should astound you. Rats who are sleep-deprived de- live for only three weeks as compared to an average lifespan of two to three years. If you don't sleep for the next several days or a week or two, you will die. Did you know that? Your body will die. You will shut down. Now, the greatest thing is I did all this research and looked it up, and I I actually like to research this stuff anyway. They don't know why our bodies need to sleep, except Jesus told us, I need to give you rest, so whatever. Um, They don't know why. But if you don't sleep, it will kill you faster than anything. This whole circadian rhythm of the... Have you heard about this? It's actually not a 24-hour cycle. It's a 25-hour cycle. I don't know how the two fit together. You'll have to talk to somebody else about that. But it's a 25-hour cycle. That's why if you work third shift... How many of y'all have worked third shift? I have plenty. I don't care what you say. Your body is not made to do that for long. As a matter of fact, they've done studies. They've showed third shift people are a wreck. There's this circadian rhythm. There's this rising of the sun. There's this setting of the sun. There's chemicals in your body that go off and your, your pupil regulates the serotonin in your brain and tells you, you know, when to sleep, when to rise, when to go to bed. When to, as a matter of fact, if you get 30% less sleep every night that you are supposed to, you have 40% less concentration. They tell us we should sleep seven to nine hours. Now some of you, I, I hear these people go, Man, I, can, I only need like four hours of sleep a night. I, I've done plenty of research. That's like false. Your body is compensating for that. Your body is compensating for that. I did read some studies that say, you know, there are some people, sometimes when you get older in life, you don't need as much sleep. But that's another study. I don't know. All I know is that all of the people that research say you need between seven to nine hours of sleep a night. And I know one thing. I can just speak personally from my life that if I don't sleep like seven or eight hours a night, usually eight hours a night, I am a wreck. Because if you can tell, I'm a spaz. I use a lot of energy. And if I don't get that, I am just done. 
Because I'm, I would, you know, I love being a cop because I was always busy in my ADD world. I was out there doing stuff, and it was a great job. Now I get to sit and look at books for like seven hours a day. That's like torture. And if I'm not well rested, it's horrible. I'm drooling on these things. You with me? Our bodies need sleep. As a matter of fact, there's an English proverb that says this: that sleep is better than medicine. Sleep is better than that. Why do you think your body goes into a coma when it's traumatized? It's like, we're just shutting down to let the healing potentially come out. Let's look at something else we all love to talk about. That's sleep. Let's look at diet. This is horrible, isn't it? I'm just going to start preaching on tithing because y'all would like that more, I think. Is that okay, Dave? Can I switch topics? Diet. You know, here's the theology of most Christians on diet. We eat what we want and then pray we don't gain weight. All right? That's our... That's our... By the way, I don't know if you know, Utah is a pretty in shape state. Now, I did a 16-week consultation in Alabama before I moved here, and they're like way down on the charts. When I go out to dinner here after church or to something, we eat healthy down there. We drank sweet tea. I don't even want to tell you what's going on in Alabama. It is like the most overweight state you've ever seen. So we're in pretty good shape here. But did you know that your physical body... My grandfather was like the skinniest dude in the world and died of clogged arteries. Because he ate like crap. I mean, all they ate was fried foods nonstop. This is how you did it apparently back in the day. I mean, nonstop. I used to love going out with them. (laughs) It was amazing. Ate this greasy food. They smoked like a chimney. They were skinny, but they were so unhealthy. You know, the Old Testament laws. We don't have time to get into them, but do you know the Old Testament, all those weird laws? You know, about what you can eat and what you can't eat and what you got to do. And if you have mildew in your house, you got to burn it down and just all of these different. Do you know this overarching thing in the Old Testament? You know why that was put in place? It was put in place for our protection. Not just for a list of rules, but for our protection, our guidelines. Now we know that when Christ came, and Peter talks about this a lot, that, you know, things are permissible now. There's different things. There's different health standards. But our diet, the Old Testament was set up around that. Let me ask you about diet. What are we doing? Here's, here's, here, let me just throw something practical out. How many of y'all have kids? All right. I mean, what are we teaching our kids? I'm so thankful now if we're on the road or we have to get something quick that like McDonald's and these different places, I can't stand going there because I just feel it gurgling through my body. Um, have you seen Supersize Me? How many of you have seen that? So I watched that in preparation for this and I could not believe that. This guy supersized. Let me just tell you a little bit about it. Talking about diet. He eats McDonald's three meals a day for 30 days and his doctors were flipping out. He started off totally healthy. He didn't have one thing wrong with him. Nothing. His scores were good. He was in health, good health. 11% body fat. That's not a lot. After 30 days, help me, I might have forgotten. I think it was up to 18%. And all of his, his, his liver was starting to shut down. The doctor said, your liver's starting to shut down. If you don't stop this, you will die. He's eating McDonald's three times a day. Now, if some of y'all are in the corporate offices of McDonald's, just forgive me. I mean, but that's just the real reality of the case. Now, there's some healthy things there. I go there, they've got good salads. And seriously, three years ago, if I'd have heard this message and heard salad, I'd have been like, you are stupid, shut up. 
But remember, at the end, I'll tell you why I'm talking about this, okay? But I'm so thankful now. I mean, what are we teaching our kids? Well, our kids won't eat things. So we go and we teach them how to eat the worst things in the world they could eat. They get addicted to that. They, they think that that's how they should eat. I love it now that we can get them something healthy and they've got these little apple things. Um, but then you dip it in sugary caramel. That's not good. I mean, my kids hate it when we go out to a restaurant and I say, okay, every once in a while we let them drink soda. Okay, I'm not saying that we should like deprive our kids. But man, we go get water. I mean, what are we teaching the next generation? Okay, that's just a side note. Um, it's hard to be disciplined. We like salt. I love chocolate. How, okay, there's two things that are my downfall, sugar and chocolate. Anybody else? Anybody else? Gosh, I eat healthy all day. And then my wife does something like this. She goes and she buys this thing of jelly beans and it's sitting there. I will freaking devour that thing. I devoured it watching Supersize Me. And I'm sitting here going, this is just wrong. Just four more. And then I set the thing aside. You know what you do. And I'm like, crap. Just four more. You know, five, you have to... I, I mean, we all have our vice. Salt, chocolate, fried food, sugar... I mean, that's why 64% of us are overweight. Okay? So sleep, diet, exercise. How about exercise? Without exercise, your chances soar for coronary heart disease, heart attack, diabetes. 17 million Americans have diabetes. For one reason. Because we're fat and out of shape. Hip fractures, high blood pressure, obesity. Um, listen to this. One study found the average 65-year-old can expect an additional 12.7 years of healthy life if their average... If you exercise, that goes up to over 18 years. Over 18 years. Exercise improves stress. If you're stressed, go exercise. It improves your stress. It improves your sleep. It improves your thinking. Some of y'all are getting ready to exercise because it improves your sex life. Sends it off the charts. They say that sex improve or that um, exercise improves your sex. What did I just say? I don't even know. <laughs> Whatever. Exercise improves your sexual performance. They, people that exercise have more sex. It helps sexual aging. It reduces dysfunction. Some of y'all are already running out to the gym. Okay, that's just how it goes. Exercise. And listen, let me tell you this little disclaimer here. Go see your doctor. Don't hear this message and go out and change everything overnight. You could probably die if you do it that radically. So go talk to your doctor first. And, and by the way, I, I, I belong down here to Lifetime Fitness. It's right down the road. And I've asked them, and they gave us like several hundred free seven-day passes to go try it out. I just think it'll revolutionize your life. It's a huge, amazing... If not, it's an amazing... Go sit in the hot tub. It's amazing. Just, just go chill for a minute, okay? I mean, it's amazing. These are out at the information center. Go grab one. We really encourage you because your body is the what? How are you feeding it? What are you doing to your body? What are you doing? You're like this. You're like, well, you know, God knows when I'm going to die, right? So why should I... Have you heard this? Oh, God knows when I'm going to die, so I'm just going to go jump out of a plane and not worry about the prayer. I'm just going to go ski jumping. I'm just going to eat whatever I want because God knows when I'm going to Listen, that is not good theology. That's not good, good theology. But you know why? Because um, 
God allows certain things to happen. When I was a cop, I had a guy, he was laying on the floor and he's all whining. He's like, I've been shot. I'm like, no, you haven't. What's wrong? I thought he was on drugs. I'm like, you haven't been shot. He goes, yeah, yeah, he had this little tiny mark right here, just this little tiny mark. And I'm like, dude, what happened? I thought it was this big drug deal gone bad and he was just on drugs and blah, blah, blah. Get a call about two hours later because they hauled him off the ambulance. Dude died. Got shot with a 22 caliber rifle and it just went in and killed him. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. There was another guy on our precinct that got down on his hands and knees, another drug dealer, put a nine millimeter to his head, to his skull, pulled the trigger. The bullet hits the skull, goes up the top and out the base of his neck. He was fine. Guys, ultimately, God is sovereign over our lives. God is sovereign over our lives. And this is especially powerful this morning in thinking about what's happened, the tragedy that's happened right here in our midst. And you know what I say? I say this, that if it weren't for the hope of Jesus Christ, what would we have to talk about? When I get up and I have to preach at funerals that are tragic, just like this, somebody that's gone far far beyond the time, far too soon. The only thing I can say is that we weep with hope. We sorrow with hope because we know that the grave is not the end. If we didn't have this hope, we wouldn't have anything to say except I'm sorry. And guys, that's why this is a faith community. That's why we're here for one another. That's why we don't understand it. But that's what God did when he looked down from heaven and saw his son at the age of 33 be ripped out of this life far ahead of when he should have. Brutally murdered on a cross for you and for me. Guys, that's the hope that we have. We wouldn't have anything worth talking about. That's what we do to our temple to keep it healthy so we can share that hope with the world whether it be Tanzania, Africa, or right across the street. Our body is the walking temple of the Spirit of God. Body's the temple. The second thing I want you to understand is this. That verse says this. Do you not know, write that down, your body was bought with the price. Do you not know your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. Read this next phrase with me. You were bought at a price. Let's try it again because you weren't ready. Ready? You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You were bought with a price. He paid the ultimate price for you. He laid down his life for you. We don't deserve it. Why do bad things happen? It's our fault. Sin. It's nastiness. We, God created a perfect world. We messed it up. God created us to honor and glorify him, and we mess it up. Why is there death, disease, chaos, destruction, famine, pestilence, war, and untimely death? Why? Because of sin. And I'm so thankful that Jesus nailed our sin to the cross and paid a price for you and for me. He paid the ultimate price so that we could have Forgiveness, not just for 72.5 years, but for eternity. You were bought 
at a price. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that you were bought with a price. But man, we tend to glorify not God, but ourselves with our bodies more times than not. Did you know Salt Lake City was, was, was referred to as the vainest city in the country? Did you know this? We lead the country in the amount of plastic surgeons per capita. The country! There are six plastic surgeons for every 100,000 people in Salt Lake City. New York City, there's only four per 100,000. L.A., 4.1. Miami, 5.2. A lot of plastic surgery going on. You don't believe me? Go down to the gym. That's all I got to say. What are we doing with our bodies? What are we doing? Utah leads the country in antidepressant rates. Did you know that? You were bought with a price. He laid it all down for you. And I know some of you are there. Some of you struggle greatly with depression. So we're not saying just snap out of it. It's a result of sin. It's a result of this messed up world that praise God one day he's going to come and make all things new. Do you know this? Every 11 days a Utah teenager commits suicide. We lead the country in that. Utah leads the nation in suicide among men 15 to 24. We have the 11th highest overall rate in the country. The Utah youth suicide rate has tripled over the last few years, and it's the number one cause of death amongst Utah teens. It's published in the Deseret News, April 2006. Why? Because society tells us what we're supposed to look like, dress like, act like, be like. And we don't stack up. It's a vicious cycle. Just is. Look at what Psalm 139 says, though. Listen to this. It says this. You were bought with a price. You were created by God. You created my MOSB. You, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb just the way I was supposed to be. Not the way society tells me we're supposed to be, but just the way God wanted you to be. Well, I don't like that. You're just the way you're supposed to be. And sin messes that up. My son was born with 11 fingers. It's a result of sin. He's a great pianist. Verse 14. I pr- no, he only has 10 now. Don't worry. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Look at this. Your frame was not hidden from me when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body in all the days ordained for me. When we were created, all the days were to be eternity and we messed that up. Now we have a date. We have a date. We have a deadline of the days that were ordained for us. All the days were written in your book before one of them ever came to pass. And don't ever forget, he paid a price so that the grave was not the end. Jeremiah chapter 1 says this. Word of the Lord came to be saying, before I formed you in the womb, look at God's creation, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. When you look into someone else's eyes, you are looking at a small reflection of our God and his handiwork that he created, redeemed, and bought back with his blood. 
Don't let society tell you. Watch this. Guys, um, sin will scar us. Sin will bring tragedy. But Christ brought beauty. He knit you together. He redeemed you. And he bought you with a price. You are wonderfully made in his eyes. Don't ever let anyone tell you anything different. Let's look at this last one. I don't know if we have time because they made the mistake of not giving me a countdown clock. So we're going to look at number three. Here it is. Your body's the temple of God. (laughs) It's going to come up here in a second like, you're done. Your body's the temple of God. You were bought with the price. And the third thing is this, is that you should be mastered. Now watch, watch this first. You're going to say, where do you get this? You're totally messing up. You should be mastered. Watch what this verse says. It says this. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Right? We talked about that. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God's ultimately going to destroy them. The body's not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for your body. You say, what are you saying? It it says don't be mastered by, oh no. Don't be mastered by anything physically. Be mastered only by one person. Be mastered by the man behind the curtain. Woo, pulling the levers, the eyes. It's not eyes. It's the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You are a walking powerhouse. And the Bible says we are to be mastered by him and him alone. Why do we do this? Why do we do all of this? We do it because he gave it all for us. I saw people in the police department, you've seen people in life that were mastered by the next fix, the next drink, the next trick they would turn. But you know what? I also see a lot of soccer moms who are mastered. I see a lot of dads who are mastered by the next dollar. I see a lot of teenagers who are mastered around the next relationship or party or boyfriend. Who is mastering Because you see, the problem that Paul talks about, it says everything's permissible, not everything's beneficial. The problem we have in our society is just excess. We eat too much, we don't sleep enough, we don't do enough. But those, even those things can master us, can't they? Those things can absolutely master us. Um, Little theology here. I grew up in a church that would have never said this. Does the Bible say that drinking is wrong? Drinking alcohol is wrong? Now there's a whole lot of bad things that go along with alcohol, so I am not stamping this for you. Is drinking alcohol wrong? Does the Bible say it's wrong? What is, when does it say it's wrong? Is eating food wrong? When is it wrong? Exactly. Is having sex wrong when you do it in the wrong way? We're doing this study to reach out. This is amazing. People are, we're doing two studies. We're doing an alpha study, which is called Why Am I Here? And we're doing this other study in, in the pubs here in South Jordan. It's called uh, Beer and Bible. And people are going nuts about this thing. They're like, what do you mean? You can do a Bible study in a pub? Yes. You drink to excess, it's wrong. It's the excesses. Some of you are writing that down. I'm coming to this thing. It's the excesses that get us wrong. With food, with sex, with money. Maybe online gaming, maybe online surfing, maybe hunting, whatever your hobby is. It's a vicious cycle. So let me end with telling you this. Um, You know why I'm so passionate about the body being the temple? 
and understanding. Yup. They just said, yup, your time is up. Just going to tell you this. Um, you know why I'm so passionate about this? Your body's the temple and that you should be mastered by Christ. Because at the age of 32, I was laying on a really cold gurney, having my heart capped. I've had about four or five surgeries already in my life. And it wasn't because I was in ill health. As a matter of fact, when I was a cop, I was pretty healthy. All of a sudden, I became a pastor and I let the love of Jesus go to excess in my life. We, were, we started a church. It blew up in this tiny little town. It was a town of 2,800. We had over 1,000, 1,200 people in a tiny, in four, three campuses. We had a campus that we started in China. I was 27, not like I've got leadership mastered now. But I was 27 years old. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and it almost killed me. Because you see, I allowed ministry to become my excess instead of Jesus. It wasn't drinking. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't some hobby. It wasn't sexual escapades. It was ministry. You expect me to say that, did you? And the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. You know, they capped my heart, a little irregular heartbeat and all that. They put medication after medication after medication. I'm not telling you to do this, but one day, God just said, you know what? Well, I am telling you to do the first part. I just want your heart. Would you stop trying to build my church and let me build my church and you just love me with all of your heart? Let me start making the calls in your life be mastered by me. I still wasn't feeling well. I still wasn't doing it all. And finally I said, you know what, honey, it's enough. We're going to do... I'm going to sleep on, I'm, I'm going to sleep right. I'm going to do exercise right. I'm going to um, eat right. I'm not telling you to do this. I stopped taking every medication I was on because I looked at the pattern. This medication made me take this one that made me take you with me. Not telling you to do that. Don't, please, no lawsuits for me. If you do, my name's Brad Olson. Um, <laughs> it's easier to spell. Listen. I stopped doing that. I started exercising. I'm going to be in a triathlon. It's been about two years. And ever since I started going to bed on time, you know what's the hardest part about going to bed on time? Turning my computer off or my TV off. Anybody else struggle with that? Okay, good. Putting the book down, whatever it is. Stop being anxious at night about the things we're worried about. It's radically revolutionized my life. I've lost about 17 or 18 pounds. We eat healthy. I drink stuff now called water. I used to drink five or six sodas a day. I was terribly in bed. I'm 36 now. And I think I'm healthier now than I ever was then. No more heart problems. No more this. No more that. No more medication. I'm running a triathlon. You know why? I hate to run. I hate to bike. And I don't like to swim. You know why I'm doing it? Because this temple needs to hold up. I want my temple to last, not just for myself and my family, but for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Stress will kill you. I'm a walking example of it almost happening. Hospital after hospital after hospital. So when the Bible says your body's a temple, that you were bought with the price, and that only he should master it, that's what we need to do. Let's close up with one last passage. 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says this. Watch this. Here's how you do it. We've talked about a lot. We've ran through it. Have nothing to do with godly smiths and old wives' tales. Rather what? Train yourself to be godly. Physical training has some value. 
But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Ultimately, it's not about this life, this body, this earth. It's about eternity. That's the hope we have. But you know what? We are called to train ourselves. Our body is the temple. You know what you have to do to do this? You have to do what my wife and I did. And we just said, we're getting out the calendar. And we're reordering everything in our life. From the time we go to bed to what we eat. Do you know it's hard to eat healthy? You ever walked into like a maverick and tried to find a quick healthy snack? It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not cheap to eat right. It's not cheap to go out and exercise. But it's what we're called to do. To reorder everything. You know when you get a girlfriend or boyfriend in your life, everything changes, doesn't it? Every, doesn't it? Doesn't every, with you guys? Does everything change in your life? You reorder everything. You don't sleep. You stay up all night talking on the phone. And I sold all of my earthly possessions to buy my wife her wedding ring. That's sweet. Gave it all up. Why don't we do that with Jesus? Why don't we reorder our entire life so that we go to bed and get up and can do our devotions? So that we can serve Him wherever He's called us to serve. So that we can be the energy machine He's called us to be. And why don't we do that physically? Why are we not doing it? Because we don't want to. Because it's hard. Because you have to stop and reorder everything. So my challenge today isn't, well, let's go think about this. No, if you want to do this, you have to reorder your entire life. Maybe some of you need to reorder it spiritually this morning. And you need to make Christ the center of your life first. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, tell Him today. Just just tell Him. Dear God, I want you to be my Savior come into my life, be the center of my life, change me, make me new. And then maybe some of you physically need to honor this temple to have the complete life that Christ has for you. Would you do that? Father God, thank you so much for what you've taught us this morning. Father, our hearts are are heavy still, knowing that those among us suffered a loss that we can't comprehend. And as much as we want to know there's hope, it's tough, it hurts, we don't get it, we question. I know I do. I know I hear it and I go, why? And then I remember that you did too. You said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you kept the mission, you kept the focus, you kept your eyes on So, Lord God, our hearts are heavy with that. And, Lord God, then we hear a message like this, and we know that spiritually we're probably, I know I'm not where I should be spiritually. I know I'm not where I should be physically. And so, Lord God, just reach down into this mess and reorder our lives. Would we get serious? Would we just stop today and reorder everything? Reorder everything from the top to the bottom and place you at the center of our lives. Praise God.